Good morning once again. Children, if you're ready to go down the hall, you can do so now. Make sure you take Miss Hoyt and or Miss Mr. Mr. Hoyt and Miss Peggy with you. I think the rain has got y'all on delay this morning. Ja- uh, chapter uh, chapter 12 of John is where I'm going to be this morning. Uh, I was As I was going over some thoughts for the, for the week and after we come out of the uh, series about Jonah and the great big fish and his disobedience and his reluctancy to serve the Lord in the way that the Lord would call him to serve and kind of learned a bunch of things off of that kind of kind of offered up the question it's like what are we here for? why are you here why are we here what's going on I don't mean only I don't only mean here in the building here in the church building on Sunday morning however that's part of it but I do mean what it what do we exist for people are we not part of God's creation right in the beginning if you read uh, Genesis the account of God's creation Adam and Eve man and woman were created by God we are part indeed and part of God's creation and all throughout scripture we can find many places where it describes how God's creation is intended to glorify him. That's about as simple as I can make it this morning. God's creation was created for the purpose of bringing glory to himself. Hello? So, so here's the thing. If you have this sudden urge to say amen this morning, feel free to do so as usual. Or you may say glory to God as it would be fitting in today's message. Because we're going to talk about the word glory this morning. I I hope we can break that down a bit to help us uh, relearn or be reminded or be refreshed about what this is all about. What are we here for? Why did God create his creation? And even though all of God's creation has its different purposes and different uses throughout his creation... All of them are to glorify him, to bring glory to the creator. Okay? So that's the point, in case you didn't notice. The point is, is that God gets the glory. Glory be to God. Only to God be the glory. And so much so, when we go into chapter 12 of John, I'm going to read uh, verse 23 to 28 uh, right now, and then we're going to kind of break it down possibly backwards a bit. Because I want to show you how Jesus taught this principle or this fact, this truth, to first the disciples, of course, and then the rest of the world. But not just by his words, but by his actions, by the way he lived, right, in the flesh. So here we are in verse 23. This is right after uh, Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey, and this is what we know as Palm Sunday and people are flocking to him because they want to see miracles. They want to they hear more of his teaching. And the disciples at the time, they're kind of trying to get organized, saying, okay, 
we got we to gotta figure out how people can get access to Jesus when it's time, and we're going to help him manage all of this. All this stuff is going on. None of them have a clue about what's really happening. They don't have any idea. And it says in verse 22, let's start there, because these, these Greeks, in verse 20, these Greeks uh, were chasing Jesus down because they wanted to go and see him and, and talk to him. And so Philip and Andrew uh, uh, came and told Jesus what was going on. There's some people here to want to see you. And Jesus answered them saying, verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. In 27 and 28, we read where it says, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. And he says in verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Just one snapshot, one of several moments where Jesus makes it clear, verbally and every other way, that Jesus is to be glorified. Because that's what glorifies the Father. Okay? And if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be believers, if we're going to be followers of Christ, isn't it logical that we would think that we are going to with the Lord's help, of course, do our best to live the way Jesus demonstrated. And he is here demonstrating what it means to glorify the Father by the way that you live your life. Not only by the way you live your life, but by the way you give it up, by the way that you die. Now, I know that we're not Jesus. You're not Jesus, I'm not Jesus. We understand that. But we are, as believers, if we understand the gospel, right? We all know the gospel. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you should repent of your sinful ways, right? You should confess that Jesus is the Christ, and you should be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. At that moment, you begin to live a life in Christ. The Spirit of God living in all of us. So therefore, it would make sense. It would be logical. It would be the only logical conclusion that that life that lives in us, the believer, is for the purpose of glorifying the Father. Yeah? You ever think about that? Way too many, way too many times the preachers will preach the gospel and do an invitation, and people will, genu will get saved because they love the Lord, and they don't want to be a sinner anymore, and they, they don't want to offend a holy God, but, but nobody ever tells them that their salvation is for God's glory. 
Think about it, y'all. Think about where the Lord saved you from. Where you would be if you were still in your sin. It, it's, it's really not hard to get there if, you, if, you're like, if you're like me, and maybe I'm the only one, but where I was before Jesus came into my life was a pitiful place. Nothing about it glorified God. And only God could have saved me from that. And not just could have, but did, y'all. Isn't that great? And shouldn't he get the glory for that? Shouldn't he get the glory for cleaning up the mess that we made? Not because he had to, but because he wanted to, because he loves me and he loves you. There's a word, two words, a Greek word and a Hebrew word. Let's look at the Hebrew word first. That, that is used, uh, well, the glory is the word that translators come to when they're looking in Old Testament Hebrew language, and uh, the word is kabod, okay? And if you see the word ikabod, I-K, uh, what is it, I-K-A-B-O-D, that actually means uh, the glory has departed, right? So we're looking at kabod, the Hebrew word kabod. These are the things on your, on your, on your PowerPoint up here. This is, these are the things that that word actually means. It means to be lifted up. It means beauty or dignity. One who creates beauty. Royal attire. A protective covering or an ornament or jewel. Maybe a flash forth light or shine to shine pure and clear. All of those, all of those things we can uh, associate with our Lord, right? Those are things that describe our Father, our God, our Creator, the one who is holy. And then when you go to the Greek word in the New Testament, the word is doxa. Okay, and those words, that word is generally associated with these ideas. Worship, to magnify, to draw attention to someone of highest value, brightness, royal splendor, or perfection. Again, all characteristics and descriptive words that would be associated with our Lord. Make sense? In fact, when we begin to look at John's vision, what John saw in Revelation, the first uh, few chapters of that, or the first few words that he uses to describe what's going on in the presence of God or what he saw in the presence of God was everything worshiping his holiness. Because God gets the glory. So when I ask a question about what are you here for? Why are you here? What's this all about? What's going on? You know, I've even, over time, in my journey with the Lord, it's like, what, what on earth would you save a wretch like me? Not just for the sake of saving me, not just for the sake of uh, pulling me out of the pit of hell, but because God loves me for sure. But there's a higher purpose there, isn't there? It's always about God being glorified. It's always about God saying, look, look at what I can do and look at what I have done. There is never 
a challenge for our God. You get that? Nothing is ever out of his control. Nothing has ever almost defeated him. All of Satan and his wickedness have been teaming up against God and his holiness since the beginning of creation, and they've never had a chance. Right? Isn't it, isn't it, uh, it's no surprise, it's really no surprise that when we, when we as people, we in general, people in general, when, when any part of God's creation tries to glorify ourselves, that's when we are in trouble. That's when we experience the bad things of life or the, the heartaches of life or the challenges, the spiritual, mental, and even sometimes physical challenges. And, and, it's, and it's real easy for the believers, the church, the body of Christ around the world, to lose sight of the purpose in our existence in Christ. All that we do and say is for the glory of God. Every blessing that God has ever saw fit to bestow upon you and your loved ones is for his glory. Every trial that we've ever gone through, every challenge that he's allowed us to see, every heartache that we've experienced in this fallen world God has allowed for his glory. I said that to uh, some young people one time. We, we were doing a, I think we were doing a, a, a youth retreat. And I said that to, the, to some, a few young people, and, and they said, well, that just makes God sound arrogant since it's all about him all the time. And I just looked at him, and I'm like, but he's God. He's the, he's the creator. He's the almighty. If it weren't for him, you wouldn't exist, period. You would have never had a chance to sin. You would have never had a chance to experience anything without God and who he is. Isn't that, isn't that great? We think about how we're going to make disciples. We think about how we're going to go into the world and do the thing that Jesus sent us all to do. Uh, of course, with his help, with the Spirit of God to help us, the Word of God to guide us. The Lord never leaves us alone in all of that. Even that assignment is for God's glory. Even all of every, the disciple-making, the preaching of the gospel, the loving our neighbors, the, 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 the examples that we live out throughout the community for God's glory. And if we're going to be like Christ, we're going to look at what he just said. Right? I came to be glorified. Right? It's now my time to be glorified. He's saying this to the disciples who believed at the time that he had come into the world to be the king of the Jews and rule the world. And they were going to be a great nation of God's people. They, they misunderstood a bit, we know. And he's saying to them, look, y'all are going down the wrong road. I'm not here. I'm not here to be popular. I'm not here to, 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 to be 
somebody that everybody needs to come and see. It's time for what I came here to do to happen, which we all know because we live on this side of the cross. We all know that it was time for him to go to the cross and surrender his life in a spectacularly uh, amazing yet hard-to-look-at way. Right? Look what this says here. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The time has... Remember when... Uh, you remember when uh, Jesus and, his, and the family are at this wedding and they run out of wine and mom comes to Jesus and says, hey, you need to handle this. And what was his answer, generally? He's like, How I, why is this my concern? My time hasn't come yet. And now... All this time later, he's coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and he says, now my time has come. Now it's time for me to be glorified. Now it's time for me to glorify my Father. Are we going to be like Christ? Are we going to be Christians? Are we going to be the ones who look like Jesus, act like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus? If we are, then the prayer would be, Lord, help me to glorify you in all I do. In all I say. Help me to glorify you when I walk the streets, when I'm all alone, when I'm in the crowd, when I'm at church on Sunday morning worshiping you. I think it glorifies God when we all sang out like y'all did this morning. It was amazing. It sounds good. I know y'all are singing because I can't hear myself and I'm trying not to mess up. So keep doing that. If I can hear myself, it's because I can't hear y'all. But it's, it glorifies God. It glorifies God when we pause and pray about the things that are on our prayer list. For the people that are in the hospitals or in their homes or the people that are dealing with their cancers and the people that are dealing with the hardships of life, that we would come before his holiness with those things that glorifies God. When we, when we pause and, and make the, the communion time on Sunday morning the center point of the whole morning, recognizing the sacrifice that Jesus made for me and for you and for everybody else, it glorifies God. It glorifies God when we're traveling and we can't be here and we find a church to go worship anyway. It glorifies God. It glorifies God when your neighbor who doesn't go to church gives you an opportunity to talk about your faith and you take full advantage of it with the Lord's help. It glorifies God. There's a pattern here that I'm noticing. There's a pattern that uh, will help us be more like Jesus, because Jesus is, is able to do what he did because he was sent here for a purpose. He was sent here to go to the cross, be resurrected from the dead, and claim victory over death. That's his mission. Nobody was going to deter him from that mission. Why? Because he knows that it glorifies God. Well, how is it that we get distracted from the mission so easily? 
I'll give you the answer that's already in your mind. Because we're not Jesus, y'all. We're, we're, we're not as, we're not, we're not, we don't have the ability to be that committed on our own. But here's what else glorifies God is God has made, made it possible for us to have his Holy Spirit and his word of God living and active in our lives. So that we would have everything we need to be as committed as Jesus was to his mission. All right. Now, it's different. It's different. I, I get it. We, we go into the world and we preach the gospel. We preach salvation. But it's not that different if we read what he said. Look, he says, look, in verse 27, 28, he's like, My soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? That's a little bit of a, a, a sarcastic question there he's asking. He says, Should I ask the Lord to save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. This is what's going to glorify the Father. So why would I ask to get away from it? Why would I ask him to spare me from it? It's all about glorifying God. And the next thing he says is, Father, glorify your name. I want you to write that down on the bottom of your bulletin or circle that in your Bible, whatever you got to do. Because maybe every day we should get up in the morning as we talk to God the first thing before our feet hit the floor and say, Lord, Glorify your name today. Glorify your name today with whatever happens in my life. If we can genuinely say that kind of a prayer, if we can genuinely mean that when we say it, we ought to, we ought to put some seatbelts in the pews around here because the Lord's going to do something with that. Because when, 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 when we agree with God that his name should be glorified, and we get in line with his will that his name be glorified, that's a, that's, a James, uh, that's a James prayer there, a powerful prayer that James talks about. The, power, the prayer of a, of a righteous man availeth much. How can you go wrong praying the will of God? And it's his will that his name be glorified. He, he, he sent Jesus to die for you. He forgave your sins because he loves you. That's personal. But he did it also to glorify himself. Yeah? Your salvation is a trophy that the world can look at and see that God is real and his love is real and it's way more powerful than anything that could ever bring death into your life. And when the world sees that in you, God will be glorified. People will be running to you saying, what in the world do you have that I don't? And your answer is going to be, starts with a J and ends with Jesus. <laughs> right? Your answer is going to be, Jesus is the answer. That's what I have that you don't have. And then the next words you should say is, glory be to God. Jesus was glorified in his life and his death and his resurrection. That's why the answer, when, when in verse 28, when he says, Father, glorify your name, then a, vo a voice came out of heaven. God says, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. That's God saying, uh, I've already, you know, when, when Jesus was baptized and he said, this is my son and I'm well pleased, glorifying the Father. Now he's getting ready to go to the cross, glorifying the Father. And when he comes out of the grave, 
glorifying the Father. Everything that you do for the Lord, everything you do for the kingdom, everything you do to help someone else know Jesus as Lord and Savior glorifies the Father. Isn't that great? I think it's awesome. Takes all the pressure. Takes all the pressure off. It means we don't have to be anybody important. Right? You just have to be a child of God who desires to glorify God. God will glorify himself through you. Hello? Look what he says. Now we're going back. We'll go back. Because how do we, how do the believers glorify the Father the way Jesus did? Well, he says in verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I like fruit. And I don't like, we have, a, we have plants at our house, and since we've moved into that house, we've learned that we don't have mu- enough sunlight to get a lot of fruit off of our plants. It's just the way it is. So we have limited amount of plants that we plant because we know we're not going to get fruit. We're not going to put in the effort. Well, 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 God calls us to salvation not just to be saved and sit here with our free bus ticket to heaven and wait for his uh, holy bus to pick us up and take us to heaven. No, he's called us to salvation so that we can go into the world and be his mouthpiece and his hands and feet and bring glory to him. The only way somebody gets saved is if they see the glory of God. And when they see the glory of God, when we see the glory of God, it's happened to all of us who are saved, we saw the glory of God, and then we looked at self, and then we looked at the glory of God, and we looked at self, and we looked at the glory of God, and it was pathetic. There was no comparison. Because that's what sin does. And that's where the the people in Acts chapter 2 were when Peter presented the gospel for the first time with the help of the Holy Spirit, remember. And it says they were cut to the heart. And their next question was, uh, we're scared and what do we do? What can we do to fix this? You see, if you want your friends and neighbors to get saved, the prayer is that they would find their way to where they would ask what to do. Here's God in His holiness. Here's self and my sinfulness. Big difference. Big problem. And when the body of Christ, when the Spirit of God, the Word of God, all the believers, the church, the, 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 the bride of Christ, go, inserts themselves into the lives of those, of those who aren't saved so that they can see that God is real, see the glory of God, people get saved. Basically, what Jesus is saying here is if you don't die, you can't glorify me. I know they weren't expecting that in this moment. I know they weren't saying to themselves, wait a minute. Because, you know, Peter, Peter was the lead on that. He's like, look, you're not going to die. They're going to come through me first. Remember, he, he's always like that. If, if, if nobody's going to take you out, Jesus, unless they go through me first. And all the rest of them are like, yeah, what he said. We're with him. And that's when Jesus turns around and says, y'all don't even know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're signing up for. You don't know what you're volunteering for. Matter of fact, you're in the way of what the Lord's trying to do. Of course, you know all that's paraphrasing, right? In case you didn't know. 
Here's, here's what it means to die. Because I know y'all want to glorify God. I know y'all want to be fruit bearers for the kingdom, right? You want to see people get saved. You want God to be pleased with what he's doing in your life. You want, you want it to be great, right? You don't want it to be just black for the rest of our life in this world. Well, verse 25 tells us, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Riddles. All the time with riddles, Jesus is. He's like, just, t- just say it plain. Jesus is saying, if it has to be about you, then you won't have life. But if you make it about God, you will have everlasting life. And every time, every time a believer or a person who's not a believer makes everything about self, we will lose. Every time. See, we had the baptistry back here. Y'all understand. Y'all, most of y'all in here understand what that is. It, it's, it's a picture. It's an action that the Bible tells us to do so that we can take the sinner self, the person who's the sinner, who's now, I'm not going to be that sinner man anymore. He's dead. And I don't know about y'all, but normally we bury dead things. And the baptismal waters, the immersion in baptism, is a symbol of the dead man being buried and then the new person in Christ coming to a new life in Christ. That glorifies God. Because God's the only one that can take that which is already dead and put new life in it. He's the only one. And he did it through Jesus on the cross. He did it through Jesus on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And he can do it through each one of us. He can do it through each one of our neighbors. He can do it through any person who surrenders themselves to what he wants to do. I'm going to get to the end of this, I know. When, we, when, we're, thinking, when we're thinking about being the church, when we're thinking about trying to get people saved, thinking about growing the church, getting people in here to worship with us and serve with us and having a great church for the Lord, of course. I wonder if we think about this. I wonder if we think about for God's glory as the end result. I wonder if we think about everything we do is for God's glory. I wonder if we think about everything we do outside the church is for God's glory, or are we just trying to fill up the church, or are we just trying to get somebody to to get wet and hope maybe it sticks. Or are we just trying to prove to ourselves that we're good Christians? I suggest, as, as your preacher and as a, uh, a disciple of Christ, as, a, as, a, as, a, as one of you who are serving the Lord, I suggest that we keep focused on the purpose to glorify God in all things. Whatever we do, however we do it, let's bring glory to God. Now, please don't understand me saying that we have some ability on our own merit to do that. What I'm saying is let's surrender to the Lord and his spirit and his word. And God will bring glory to himself through it all. Hello? I love him, the Lord loves you. And the fact that God loves you should bring him glory to start with. Because each one of us can look in the mirror and say, 
man, the Lord loves me. Right? I, I think y'all are great people. But God knows you. You and God know you better than I do. Right? Isn't it amazing what God does? He specializes in taking broken things and making them amazing. And he also specializes in taking the credit for it. As he should. Because he's holy.